This, 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 this is mythical. Earbiscus is supported by DoorDash. I'm keeping less alcoholic beverages in my house um, lately. I'm kind of on that swing of the pendulum. Okay. But I will say, there's times when when you wanna crack open an adult beverage. Yes, it happens. Sometimes amongst friends, sometimes alone. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I, wanna get into the details. I recommend with friends. If you're looking to celebrate with some special drinks, Here's to alcohol deliveries with DoorDash. Whether you're hosting, sending a congratulatory gift, or just staying in to chill with a cold one, DoorDash is an easy call. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. They have it all, beer, wine, mixers, and for those that don't drink, mocktails and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off up to a $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code Ear. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening, any evening. Terms apply, must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Link. And I'm Red. This week at the round table of dim lighting, which is a little bit different, we'll talk about that in a second. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna be talking about uh, my recent trip to San Francisco, the San Francisco night. treat. Yeah, did you get some treats? Uh, I did get some treats. Uh, I, you know, it was it was quite an experience. Made some memories. What was the mission? Uh, the mission was college visits for Locke, trying to decide on where he's going to go. So there's a few schools in the San Francisco area uh, that we visited. So you're, yeah, you're entering that phase of fatherhood that that I went through last year, and then next year with Lincoln. I'll be going through it again. The second so time like, will be breeze though. I hope so. I mean, it's like, I wonder what you've learned from me and I wonder what I can learn from you for next time. It's funny, I wasn't thinking about what I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't a, well, the funny thing is, is that if I recall correctly, Lily kinda, she kinda had her mindset on what she wanted to do, where she wanted to go and there wasn't like, like Locke has applied to like 25 different schools you know, we visited multiple schools. We're going to, for his spring break. Now the spring break trip is shaping up and is turning into a tour of the northeastern United States. Oh wow! Including New York, where the you know the, so some some schools up there that he's interested. in. That's why in. I think I, maybe I can learn from you because <clears throat> I did you know ours was not nearly that involved. Yeah, it was like a handful of schools that she applied to, and. Um, in the in the timing of the pandemic of it all, yeah, there was there was it was much more limited what what we were capable of doing and what colleges were capable of uh, giving us as far as like. Well, the funny thing is, is we don't you know we don't McLaughlin's are not great planners, and so there we have not taken any official tours. We haven't talked to anyone official. Like literally, one of the campuses we were walking around, and there was like a group of official kids with like an official representative, and we're just like, "Hey, guy, losers! Uh, we can go wherever we want to. We don't I need. Bet you, we I don't bet need you're learning lots of stuff that's going to be pertinent to your decision. We don't need a, an official person. But we're going to the snack shop. Yeah, right. I mean, we we make our own rules, man. Uh, I feel. I'm that. not going to spend a. I'll spend some time talking about that, but I also want to talk about. San Francisco. Uh, turns out there's a lot to talk about as it relates to San Francisco. 
And I saw a picture that you texted Christy and I, and I'm very intrigued. I wanna talk about the specifics of this picture that you sent us too, so yeah. I'm excited about that. But yeah, we're also excited about the fact that the Ear Biscuits set has been updated, our backdrop. This reflects an expanding universe of mythical podcasts. That is our, that's our vision, and we got plans to back it up, baby. Matter of fact, the first new podcast coming out of Mythical uh -huh. Studios is Trevor Talks Too Much tomorrow. Episode one comes out. Um, you you know Trevor, he's one of the Mythical Kitcheneers. Uh, well, there's a few things about Trevor. He's the goofy young guy who talks too yeah, much. Trevor, I don't know if he is still the youngest person to work at Mythical Entertainment, but you know what, I mean, he's a, he's a Z-er, a Gen Z-er. And so um, he's interested in things and talks about things that we're too old to understand or appreciate. Uh, and so, so don't stop talking to us. Just start talking to yeah. other people you're interested in talking to. So, so he's going to have guests. He's going to have guests that are kind of uh, in 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 his world. Uh, one of the guests I, we're not going to mention because we don't know. You never know who you're going to get in here. I do know one of the guests. I mean, I have heard of one of the guests and actually have had conversations with one of the guests. But yeah. the other ones, I'm like, I listen. The fact that I don't know who they are is a good sign that Trevor's doing the right thing. But if if what we're saying intrigues you, check out his podcast. If what we're saying doesn't intrigue you, I don't listen to us. Just check out his podcast. Don't let us be the reason you don't check out his podcast. Trevor's a lovely man. Trevor talks too much. Wherever podcasts are found, was almost the name of the podcast. Uh, I, that was my vote. Trevor's a lovely man. Also, there's a YouTube <laughs> channel dedicated to the visual version where you can check out this backdrop with his own signage up here. But apparently, he, he doesn't get, get our round table, or I think they they, they, they put something it. over it. But apparently, the, uh, this wood, which I love wood and I love touching it, uh, is a waveform. We've been told it may or may not say mythical is love. It also could just be someone farting. Yeah, but it, it looks like it could be one of my very, farts. It's very beautiful. I like to fart love. Could you? What pretty do you think? cool, huh? I think farts. If you're just listening to this, pretty cool, huh? This would be a pretty. <laughs> this would be a, a fart that started strong and had a, a whimper in the middle, then came back. Yeah, and yeah. Really picked up again, which are my favorite kinds. Right. You've made people think they're over, and you bring it right back. It's called breaking the second wind. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about this trip. Now, you've made this, you've made the trip to the northern part of our state. I wanna talk a little bit about that area that you have, have to drive through. I have not gone north of San Francisco, well, but that's pretty. Neither have I, really. Okay. I'm There's still a lot more. A whole lot yeah, more. So yeah, we, I still wanna go up that way. I'm talking about, this is the experience, okay? Just in case you've never taken this route. And I'm talking about being on the five, the interstate five, going north. You take it out of town, you go past the, the sort of the remnants of civilization on the north side of Los Angeles, like up to Santa Clarita, and you kind of enter into this mountain pass, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, there's no people here anymore. I mean, there's mountains. It's a wilderness area, kind of. Yeah. Uh, it's actually where we drove when we went, we took Shepard up and did some off-roading. There's like a little off-road place there. But you drive through this, and then you kind of come down out of the mountains and it's very, very sudden. Mountains and then all of a sudden flatness yeah. for as far as you can see. And it is 
for like four and a half hours straight, you were on what feels like, having just recently driven across North Texas, feels like North Texas, like flat and just crops. Yeah. Like this is where the stuff that's grown in California is grown. It's the Central Valley, right? 18 wheelers on the road. And it is so desolate. Yeah, it's it's um it's it's a tough drive. Yeah, because it just never changes. Yeah. But did you have you noticed this? Uh, the people who grow the food in this area mm-hmm. have very they seem to have a very particular uh, political viewpoint on our governor. Have you noticed this? <laughs> well, yeah, they tried to recall him. No, no, no. I'm saying I'm not talking about just Northern California. I'm talking about specifically the people who own the farms. There's all these signs calling out Governor Newsom about water. Yeah. You notice this? And it's yeah. just like, and there's a play on words. It's like, give us back our damn water. But they spell damn with a D A M. Oh. And then there's the sign that, like, you, 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 the signs sort of educate you as you go along. There's, there's other ones that say 78% of our water flows into the oceans without us. So, you know. Obviously, there's some, there's two difference of, there's a difference of opinion here. Yeah. There's probably like a progressive environmental side that's saying that we can't just dam up and use all this water for whatever habitats, et cetera. I don't know any of the details. I'm just kind of pulling this out of my butt right now. And then the second thing is, well, we want to grow the crops. Let us just use the water. Let us dam this stuff up so we can use it, whatever. And so these two, you know, ideals are sort of bumping up against each other and making for like signs. four hours, and it's just sign after sign after sign after sign. There's no because there's really like there's hardly any billboards. It's just these. You saw all these signs and you never figured it out. I think the signs have worked their way into my mind, and now I'm like, Governor Newsom, give us back our damn water. <laughs> like, I mean, this propaganda has worked for me. I don't know the details, so I'm actually I, I don't know where I come down on this issue because I don't have any idea what is at stake. I should probably look into it. But that was your I'm first saying, there's a okay. lot. But then did you notice that the desolation turns into rolling hills yeah. with no trees. And it looks, I mean, it looks grassy. There'll be some. Uh, it's beautiful grassy. Some, uh, some well, yellow it, flowers. We, we, we've benefited from a lot of rain, which is very unusual. It's, it's typically very, brown. But once you, what I'm talking about, you're almost in the Bay Area. Okay. You guys like to go to the Santa Cruz area, so at some point you kind of go off of the five, right? But we were going all the way up to San Francisco, and we were in the in the way that it was navigating us was coming all the way up through Oakland, almost to Berkeley, and then cutting across the bay into San Francisco, right? So for like another two hours, I mean the whole trip is like five and a half hours, so like it's like three and a half hour, four hours, and then like the last hour and a half is these rolling hills. With nothing, nothing on them except cattle, yeah, and windmills. It's pretty cool. It's beautiful, but this is where this dynamic begins. Where I begin pointing out things. I'm totally yeah. dadding it when I'm driving. Everybody's on their phones. I'm not on a phone. I'm on a car. Yeah, you, you have know? to see everything. And I'm like, guys, look at those cows. In fact, we literally had this conversation. Jesse and I did, and she ended up tweeting about it because she thought it was so funny. <laughs> I said, look at those cows just living up there on those hills. And she said, I've already looked at the cows. And I was just like, 
but look at them now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now that I've yeah, just, given you a philosophical point of view on them. But, right? Yeah. But, Let's be thoughtful about these cows. And I don't yeah. really want to go into, listen, some people say that the tendency to want people to look at things is narcissism. Okay, whatever. I think it is, I, what I want <laughs> is I want a connection, man. It's just like when you're with somebody, you're watching a movie. What you, you want somebody to you want to bring somebody into a collective experience. I'm just looking for a connection with my family. Man. I get it, man. You're a you're that's a, all dads want. You're a dad who wants when you're all together. You want the you want to have a shared focal point, and if if that's a cow, so be it. And it's the dad's job, the dad's role in the family is to find the focal point and to. Exclaim it. Yeah, just grab everybody's face and say, look at that cow. <laughs> look at that cow living his life. He sits up there living his life. Just think about those cows though, man. They just make their they make their lives on these hills. Hey, now, I'm not on your trip. Don't drag me into this. But one of the things that started happening as we got closer is I started realizing that I was literally seeing the screensaver, not screensaver, but the background for what is it, Windows Vista? Yeah. The two beautiful green hills with the little uh, yellow flowers on them and the beautiful blue sky behind them. Oh. The reason that you see that is because you're getting into Silicon Valley, man. Silicon. Silicon. You're up there where all this stuff is actually originated and oh. made. And so I was like, I bet you I'm looking at these two hills. I bet you. These hills are, I think I passed the Microsoft hills, man. I think it's an early Dell commercial too. Dell probably up there too. That's why the Dell is cows. Is cows. Huh, yeah, <laughs> your focal point. <laughs> We've you, just unlocked the mysteries of Dell. Is Dell still around? Hell yeah, I man, they sponsored an episode like last, <laughs> Dell Small Business, man. Oh. Dell's still around. They sponsored <laughs> oh, yeah, two right. episodes of Ear Biscuits, Whoops. this podcast, within the last 12 months. I, I remember that now. You're still around. <laughs> I meant now. You is, know, it, is it in our contract that. for Link to know that they're still around because we might need, well, to, you know, need to amend it? It's been a year. It's been a year, a lot can happen but to a cow But that's where the cows come from. All right, and then you're trying. Okay. See, these are the things. I that, see the cow. I've these, seen the cow. These are the things that dads are thinking about. You know, just let them have their moments. Okay. And and when you're experiencing something that you don't see all the time, and you see that the rest of your family is uninterested or in their phone or asleep, you're like, you gotta. Hey, this is a moment. Well, I end up saying things like. Guys, whatever is on your phone right now, whether it's a game or Snapchat or Twitter, it will still be there in five minutes. But you know what won't be here? Those cows. I mean, there'll be new cows. There'll be new cows. <laughs> there'll be more cows, different cows that look exactly the same yeah. as the cows that you can see right now. But just look at those cows. But you, but you kind of, uh, you know, excuse my French. You blew your wad on on the cows when you should have saved it for like seeing the skyline of San Francisco for the first time. I was trying to train the family to be, if, they, if I could get them to look at cows, I could get them to look at the Golden Gate Bridge. And I think, I think blowing your wad is a, it's, an, it's a firearm thing. It's like a gunpowder firearm thing. So I don't think it's French. Yeah, 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 right. I agree with that. Yeah. It's, I think it's been co-opted by the sexually minded, but that is not what I was thinking of. Ear Biscuits is supported by the Farmer's Dog. Dogs will eat basically anything you put in front of them. And if you're Barbara, you will 
like <laughs> seek it out off of tables, counters. That that woman is crazy. <laughs> uh, that woman being my dog. Uh, so it's important to be putting the right kind of food in their bowls. Right, and when you care about your dogs as much as we care about ours, you know, a thoughtful approach to what goes in those bowls makes sense. Yes, the farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. Just tell them about your dog and they'll deliver personalized, vet-developed recipes for as little as $2 a day. The meals arrive pre-portioned and in ready-to-serve packs delivered on your schedule. Millions of meals have been ordered across the country. We've been partnering with the Farmer's Dog for a few years now and they really are as good as they say. It really has never been easier to invest in your dog's health with fresh food. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com ear. Um, I'll tell you some more things I was thinking of in a moment, uh, but we do want to remind you, even though Link already said it, we do want to remind you that Trevor's podcast, Trevor Talks Too Much, has a YouTube channel, just like your biscuits does. Subscribe to it. Go ahead and see, you know what? Go ahead, go over there, even if you're not gonna listen and watch, just subscribe. Give for, it a shot. For support, support Trevor. He's trying new things. Show him your support. It's not easy to start new things. Just ask a cow. Mm, that analogy didn't work. Yep, fell apart yep. pretty quickly. I can't, I, just, I, I can't support you on that front, but I do startups, totally understand. Startups like in Silicon Valley. Okay, there we go. There we Trevor's go. podcast is a startup. Trevor talks too much. Super proud to be launching some another podcast. More to follow. Mm-hmm. That's right, we're cooking up some more podcasts for you. I wanna talk about the process of uh, a college tour. And again, I made clear that this is not an official college tour, this is just a family walking around a college campus. You're just showing up. Pulling on doors, seeing what's open. Um, parking in places that you may not should park, hoping you don't get towed. Trying to f interpret parking signs, that's a, that's a gift of mine. Oh, it is? Yeah. Living in Los Angeles, I've had to learn how to take it's a good three training ground. different rules that are unrelated and figure out if the moment right now I'm able to park here. Yeah. San it's, Francisco has the same deal. I really wish it were diagrams. You know, like a <laughs> Venn diagram of. I just would, the, the whole. And then I could go up to it and I could put my finger on where I'm at and then I could look and see if I could park there or not. Well, in the future, the or whole. Or maybe use a laser pointer. The like, whole curb will you be green or red. Can I park here now or can I not? Yeah, LED that thing. Yeah, LEDs are cheap, man. Yeah. LED the whole, that, if I was mayor of Los Angeles, we would LED all curbs. Get rid of the signs. That's a fun idea. Yeah, I mean, just vote for me. I'll figure it out. What's your What's your stance on the the water situation? <laughs> you know what, I'm taking that <laughs> under advisement. Okay. And, uh, I believe both in crops and in ecological environments, and I believe that there is a way that we can both win. We can win, we can all win. California can win. Did now you, I'm running for governor. <laughs> did, did you go? Did, I mean, w when we were looking at the few campuses that we looked at, I mean, you really couldn't go in anything at the time. So we were like looking, peering through windows. Nobody was there. Yeah. So we we're walking around. Yeah, you, you can got go a little in. bit more. You can go a into to now. a few places. Like every, the student centers are open and like bookstore, actually the bookstore one place was closed because we are still in a little bit of a, uh, 
at the time that we were doing this, we were in a little bit of a surge. So, um, but the thing that I, I do, I'm trying to be helpful, right? Like it, it's what you're trying to do as a parent, usually, always, if you're being healthy, you're trying to actually be helpful. And so, which the only way to do that usually is you, 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 Picture yourself at that age, and what would I want somebody to tell me? Mm-hmm. And and I try not to. I really try not to do that um, because I found that not to be effective. But also with Locke in particular, like the moment that he senses a dadism or a sort of a lecture or a perspective coming from on high, um, so he, he bristles at it. Was the cow thing a wake up call for you that you're then applied to being on campus? The I cow think thing. Don't was, answer that. Just tell me your story, and that's going to be my question. Well, I can go ahead and answer that question for you because the cow thing was more me and Jesse. Like the kids are so in their own worlds in the back of they the didn't car even on hear phone, you, right? And this is that, it was just me talking to my wife. Um, but you, you know, and I, and the thing is, is I see the way that Locke is so similar to me in the way that he places himself in an environment and he, you know, he immediately fast forwards through the next four years and it's like, this is what it would be like and this is where I would live and this is where I would live after and this is the kind of job that I would have. Mm-hmm. He can very quickly picture his future at this particular place. And that's kind of how, I'm, and I'm the same way, I do it kind of just, it's my nature and that's how you figure out if you are into it. I do the same thing if I read a book. I do the same thing as I'm driving across the freaking state. It's like. I'm reading these signs, I'm like, yeah, give us our damn water, Newsom. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, that's what I do. I I embody the perspective and see what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And then I pull back from it once I've kind of investigated yeah. it. I'm very open in that way, right? And 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 to like the possibilities of the future. And so. So you would expect him to be excited at each place he went to. And if there wasn't an initial excitement, then that's a huge red flag for somebody who can embody a life there, well, uh, like in a fantastical kind of way. But almost. this is the thing, because he so does that so naturally. I don't. I, there's no, with, with Locke in particular. There's none of. The, I don't have to do what I think is probably more typical. It's just like, hey man, think some things about this. You know? Yeah. With, with Locke, it's like, hey dude, let's like let's pull back a little bit, and you know, because the way it, the way I feel about it is is that whatever mood he's in when he's visiting a certain place and the timing works out, it's just like the old principle of you get married based on when you meet somebody and life circumstances, it, they're super practical, like it's completely unromantic, there's no such thing as soulmates, which I'm not saying I subscribe to, but some people would say marriage is a is just a, is who you are in love with at the time when you could get married, right? I don't necessarily believe okay. that, but there is an element of circumstance with who, and hopefully you get lucky and you're with the right person. I feel that way about my marriage. But when it comes to college, it's just like, you think about how circumstantial, and again, we just chose between Carolina and State, right? That was the two only two schools we applied to. Got accepted yeah. in both. And then like, I remember taking a tour of UNC, and again, if you remember this, I was probably talking to you like, this is what we would do this, and this is how, I'm I'm living out the next four years and being like, this is what it's gonna be like, and then going to state and doing the same thing. In the mm-hmm. end, it was. I do have a hard time remembering the specifics of it, but we, knowing how different UNC the campuses UNC was just the two looked. of us. We drove ourselves up there, I remember that specifically. Oh, really? No parents, we just drove up there together and walked around. And it's a really impressive campus. So it was very enticing. 
but the entire time, like we were never Carolina fans. I was always a state fan and you were a Duke fan. I was a Duke fan because so we were from out of town. It I, was like, we felt, we didn't want anybody to see us. Like it's not that anybody would. Yeah, I, you may have like, felt that way. I didn't have I think strong I feelings that about that. It, it, and my brother was already there. You know, okay, my brother yeah. was at school there. Um. We ended up going to state just because it was like, oh yeah, I'm taking physics and I'm, and I like Mr. Bryant who's teaching it. You know what I'm saying? It was such a oh yeah. But because I know that that's how kids make decisions, it's and 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 Locke can get so passionate about something. I'm trying to uh, sort of modulate, mitigate whatever the word is, and then the opportunity to go to a basketball game presented itself. Oh okay. And this particular school that we were looking at, Locke gets on his phone the night before and he's like, Dad, they're playing Gonzaga. <laughs> Gonzaga, pretty good. Number two team in the nation with the number one player in the nation. It's like a six, it's like a seven foot point guard. I don't even remember the dude's name, but he's like a seven foot point guard. That's like very, it would be amazing to watch, you know, just imagine It'd be a that. good game and it might seal the deal for like, oh, I had such a great experience, I have to well, go Well, that's here. what I was thinking. And I was also thinking like you, cause this is a, not, it's a relatively small school with a, like a gym that's like the size of like Campbell's gym and going oh, wow. and seeing like Gonzaga play in a place like that. So we get on, we do go on SeatGeek, not a sponsor, and we we find three we find three tickets, not four. And Jesse's like, it's fine. I don't really care. I'll just like, well, I'll go to a coffee shop, hang out while you guys go to the game. So we're like, okay, three tickets. Last minute, Gonzaga tickets, hundred fifty bucks a pop. Okay. So it's like this is a. But I'm like, this. Hey, listen, let's do this because this is what. What else are you going to be doing? It's a cool experience. But I was also thinking, man, even though they're definitely going to get beat by Gonzaga. This is going, if he sees like other students like there and he has this experience, this is might seal the deal for him. So, but that's not necessarily a good thing. I'm worried about it, but I'm also like, I kind of want to see this game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we get the tickets and then game day, which was the next day, we go up to the gym, you know, like half an hour early and the, and the guy like sees, I pull out the tickets. He's like, um, so we're operating at 25% capacity today due to COVID. Um, so we're gonna scan your tickets. If they scan green, you can come in. If they scan red, oh wow, you can't. And he and he said, and the way we're doing that is is that all season ticket holders are allowed to come in, but anyone who bought single game tickets and then resold them, they've already been refunded for these tickets. And so it's not necessarily a scam, but they should have contacted SeatGeek and taken the tickets off. And so he's like, I don't know if yours is season tickets or single, the only way to find out is to scan it. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, oh man, this could change. Like, th like I'm thinking, the, I'm thinking on, I'm on a dad level at this point, right? So it's like the green rec for me, represents him being excited about this school and the red, I'm like, this is gonna ruin his everything. He's gonna mm -hmm. have this sour taste in his mouth about this school and he's not gonna wanna go. Hmm. And did did the guy tell you that if it was red, that it was, you didn't get your money back or you did? He said, well, he didn't tell me that yet. Okay, well go ahead then. He scanned them and they scanned red. Mm. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And I was like, oh gosh, man. Dang, we planned this whole day coming down here to watch this game. And like Locke is obviously really disappointed. Shepard's just kind of chilling. <laughs> Uh, that, at that point he said, you need to contact SeatGeek because um, in a person's name, I'm not gonna say the name, the person's name is on the ticket and so like the things that we were saying about this person who had done <laughs> this to us was very, we were. it was a running joke the rest of the week about how we were going to hunt this person down. Obviously we didn't have to do that because uh, we contacted SeatGeek and actually, well, they're like investigating it, but I'm pretty. They said that you will get up to 120 percent of your money back. Well, you might make money off. Might, the yeah, deal. this might be a new way to like make some side money. Okay, go there to, you go. not go to basketball games. <laughs> uh, but I think so you had to it, pivot. It happened with multiple people. I think we'll get our money back. But mm -hmm. it was interesting because like Locke was definitely disappointed, and then, but he's kind of been very interested in this place, and it kind of was a threw a little bit of cold water on him. But then I felt like it was, it kind of centered him a little bit. And he's still very into the possibility of going, but he was very excited about the next place and he's very excited about places that we're gonna see, he's gonna hear back from soon, but places we might see in the, in the spring. And so I think it's, it actually was a blessing in disguise because if we had gotten the green check. Yeah, it might, it might falsely weigh the, uh, the scales, tip the scales. Um, but one of the things that I found myself think, thinking, and I wonder if this you is might the really case. just want to go to Gonzaga is really what <laughs> yeah, right. you know. If this is the case with you, not just I mean, even just like helping Lily move into college, like being on a college campus. I was, we were tr Jesse and I were trying to explain to the kids how different our college experience was. There's all these like groups of people doing things and like clubs and it activities, there's so much to do in college. And I was like, yeah. I don't think you guys understood. We did two things. The first thing we did is we went to class. And the second thing we did is everything with Campus Crusade. Yeah, We did not do anything else. Our entire social life, every single activity that we had was yeah. just, it was our campus ministry that we were involved with, which, you know, Again, I don't have any regrets about where there were a lot where, of people involved. Led. So it was like from a social standpoint. Oh, it, you know, we made a lot of great connections and we had a lot of great relationships. I don't, I don't, re, I don't regret any of that. But it was just so interesting how going in with such a singular worldview that had already, you know, solidified and what really hadn't solidified, but it felt like it had solidified. Yeah, it just, I was like, man. That's one thing that I, I see when I'm on a college campus is like, there's so much to like learn and experience and do that I just completely sealed myself off from yeah. because of my worldview at the time. Well, I mean, Lily's experience so far has been, it's, you know, the opportunities have been pretty limited. The majority of her classes, she's on a quarter schedule, so it's like, and she's like three out of her four classes were online, even though you know, it's like taking them from her bed or from her desk in yeah. her dorm room. And um, only one was in person. And and now this year, things have been delayed getting going again. Everything's been online, um, at least temporarily, you know, as, as they're monitoring things. But she's, 
she, I mean, she is on campus. And so, I mean, it was like, man, if if classes continue to only be virtual, it's like, should we rethink this whole thing? You know, it's like you start to think those things, because her experience is. Because it's not any cheaper. She's got it, no, she's got her roommates, she's met a few people, she's doing, you know, she's she got involved, she joined a garage band. That's cool. Which I was real, you know, I'm like, this is cool, this is another, this is a, this is another experience that you that you haven't had uh, that was so formative for us, more right. in high school than college for us, but I'd still get this sense that like, you know, clubs really aren't kicking into gear and the amount of camp, the, the campus life is still very stifled by COVID. So it's, I'm frustrated on her behalf that, you know, her first yeah. year is kind of a half, it's kind of a half, college experience. But at this point we're like, it's it's still going good and it's definitely better than nothing. And uh, well, that she's was... trying to make the most of it and we're just trying to encourage her. It's, it's harder to say, well, go out and get involved in this group or you know, expand your potential, your pool of friends. You know, so it's not just whoever you were assigned with is who you're with, but you know, have some autonomy and being able to like meet people, get involved in different circles so that you can start making some decisions about the type of people you wanna associate yourself with. I think as a parent, I get concerned when it's like, this is who you're assigned to live with and you're you're kinda limited beyond that, you know? So that's an, I'm excited about the band thing just because of what I said that was formative for us, but also, just that it it represents a an overlapping but different friend group, you mm -hmm. know. And you, so you think about a lot going off next year. Hopefully, things will have gotten you know gotten to a point where yeah. it can be a dynamic experience, and it will be for Lily, and then for for Lincoln too. Eventually. Well, because when you walk around a college campus and you see the buildings, and you see the residence halls, and you see the gathering areas. That actually hit me. It was like, man, this place is designed to be at. <laughs> it's not designed yeah. to be to be uh, at home and and you taking online classes. Yeah, you know that's the wonderful thing about a, a classic university experience, which let me just say has become, first of all, has always been and is becoming more and more a privilege, right? But also, I think it's becoming less and less of a necessity mm -hmm. because for a lot of people, if you don't have a way, if you're not getting a scholarship, if you're not finding a way to pay for it, whether it's your family or your scholarship or you're working through college or whatever, like for most people, it's gonna be taking on a bunch of debt <laughs> and not necessarily having a job to pay that debt down. So I do think that I it, I also had this feeling as I walked around and looked at all these buildings that kids were just beginning to enjoy, but for the past two years, they've just kind of been sitting there in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, this college campus that's not being taken advantage of, it's being paid for by a bunch of kids who are at home on their laptops. Um, but I was just thinking about like, yeah, this is not, you know, this isn't for everybody and it's gonna become, it has a, you sort of feel like you're walking through something that's just not a lasting way of doing 
higher education. Hmm. It's like take advantage of it while you can kind of kind of feel because there's, I mean, you have to think that all these people taking online classes has, well, first of all, I think we can all agree, they're not as good as in-person classes and we don't want that to be the new normal. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with an AC Pro. But. No, good God, I look over Lily's shoulder when she, you know, she didn't go back as early as we planned because she was like, I'll just stay another week because I'm gonna take all my classes online, see my high school friends that I've still been hanging out with, have some quality time with them before I go back. I'm looking over her shoulder at like a lecture. She's like eating breakfast and like walking around the house with it on her phone and with her, I was like, take your, take your earbuds out. Let me oh, listen to this. this. And it was just some, some guy just, I mean, just droning on and on and on about just like speaking extemporaneously and like trying to find his words. He might be doing that in class as well, but. <laughs> yeah, but when you're there in the room and there's other people and you're like, okay. It's, yeah, it's not as hard. It can't, I mean that, it's just so hard when it's just a screen. Well, and getting out of your, I think for me, part of it is getting out of your roots, getting out of your house and literally having to like put a backpack on and walk to a place and go into an institution of higher learning with other people who are there for the same purpose. Yeah. There's a lot of psychology in that that is right. helpful to most people. But but there's no doubt that this that COVID has accelerated the the shift, right? Cuz people are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, I'm paying you know, in some cases like $50,000 a year for like a private school." For for like University of Phoenix, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like I mean, nothing, it, and nothing against people who have online degrees. I'm just saying that the difference in value between the value proposition between these two things over the past couple of years has really really gone down. The difference in the value proposition because mm -hmm. you're not really I mean you're not getting that much different than what you would have gotten from something online, but you're still paying so much for it. And in the meantime, the prices just continue to go up. I mean, listen. As 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 a person who's potentially considering a run for governor, <laughs> I gotta say this is a real problem. This is a real problem. <laughs> we got to figure this out. Well, I mean, I wanted to ask at this point: Do you have a sense of like, and this is kind of switching gears, but still within parenting, of the stakes associated with this decision? Because you can really. I mean, I think for me, I could really overthink it and kind of wig out over it. It's like, you know, if Locke gets accepted at multiple places, he's making this decision that then he's keenly aware because he's future-minded that it's like this leads to this, leads to this, leads to this, and there's a fork in the road that that leads to that, leads to that, leads to that, and never the two shall meet. It's like you can yeah. maybe you can overthink it, over-dramatize it, and the butterfly effect of it, so to speak. But it's, you can really get in your head about it because it's a huge milestone decision. 
and you're not quite there yet, so maybe it's not. But there, but I know I think about this. There's a there's a few things that are helpful in this particular regard. The first thing is locks nature, right? So even if I had a specific plan that I thought was best for him, I am incapable and believe that anyone would be incapable of prescribing that to him in a way that would be effective. Mm -hmm. So it would be kind of a hopeless, be a lost cause to try to tell him where he needs to go or tell him what's best for him. He is gonna learn things his own way. I can I can provide advice and I can provide information, but it's he's so on his own that I have such little influence in that in that area that it feels like there's less pressure. The second thing is just a general. I think it's very healthy. The thing that we've been talking about a lot in in Jesse and I have been talking a lot about is loving detachment. You know the principle of supporting. So loving detachment is not. A verb and a noun. It's a it's a term. Yeah, you don't enjoy being detached. It's it's yeah. practicing something called loving. It is detachment atta- that is loving. Okay, what is that? So uh, it is. I mean, first of all, your your motive is you obviously you love your kid and you are invested in their future. You're helping them. You're providing them with resources. You're doing all the stuff that you have control over, right? But what you do not have control over is the decisions that they make. You have control over how they're supported and you can have control over like whether or not you take them to the school to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't have control over what they choose. And if you think you have control over that, you are sorely mistaken. And if you exert control over it, then that's- It will backfire. that could uh, be trouble. And so this isn't just to do with college. This is a principle that we have sort of been really talking about a lot over the past couple of years. Jesse and I have been talking about just raising kids in general, but especially raising teenagers as you begin to get to that threshold where they're beginning to become their own people and they are making their own decisions about things. And if, you know, kids are different, like I've said multiple times. Locke is on the high end of the spectrum when it comes to autonomy and self-motivation and just like his will, right? And so you have to, this is the only approach that you, you cannot dominate him, right? He's an Enneagram eight and their greatest fear is being dominated. That is the fear of the eight, right? And so that's why sometimes you can be like, let's listen to this book on tape or let's try this or let's do that or let's go eat at this place. And he's like, no, let's not do that. It's in his nature to be like, oh, I'm not about to be dominated by you, am I? Right? Okay. And so it leads to people who tend to be doers and self-motivated people who go out and make shit happen for themselves a lot. Um, But it also leads to people who are gonna learn things their way and maybe learn things the hard way sometimes. So this is not not easy. And you and loving detachment. So you, you have to, you gotta still bring the love to the situation, but yeah, I, so to answer your question specifically, 100%, I am aware of this dynamic, which is the slightest little thing, the, the butterfly flapping its wings could, ha- could have this catastrophic or very monumental effect, right? And so where he decides to go to school is going to determine his life path. But, this is the third piece of the puzzle for Locke is that he, I mean, he's probably gonna transfer no matter where he goes. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he's so like, he's always looking to mix it up and try mm-hmm. something new. 
that I just don't even have them, like he's, I mean, maybe he'll stay at the same place, but he's gonna wanna be something else, he's gonna do something else, he's gonna try something else, he's gonna go to a different place. And so to me, this is just like, this is the nature of him and he's going to do a bunch of different things and uh, I wanted to help him make the best decision possible, but uh, he's probably gonna change his mind anyway. <laughs> it's know? kind of, it's akin to our, my experience with Lily in that like, I really built up the the rite of passage of her leaving. I mean, you can go back and listen to those episodes and like, there's a couple, like in that, when I was in that zone of sending her off and like dealing with it, I, I said that I dramatized it to fully embrace the experience, but it was, you know, it was okay, she's going off and she's, our relationship is different and she's gonna come home a different person and she's not, she doesn't live with us anymore. And lo and behold, you know, after last Thanksgiving and Christmas and then like the 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 pandemic situation and virtual learning, it's like she's still home way too much. And I'm like, <laughs> man, it's like we got over that really quick. You know, it's like get on back to college, you know, kind of kind of a message. It's like, yeah, so it's it as big of a decision as it as it is, uh you know, there's there's always room to pivot and you're kind of always looking for, okay, do I need to, is there a change on the horizon or not? Yeah and you know this Takes is- Takes a little of the pressure off. This is really something that I, it wasn't even on my radar when my kids were little and I don't necessarily think it would be on my radar if I wasn't in therapy. I mean, I'm, there's other ways to get to this but, um just beginning to recognize how much of what we want for our kids is just about us, you know? Mm. And like, we say that it's, a, it, we say that it's, a, it's for their best interest. And, I'm, and, I, and I do believe that a big part of it is. I think we, we, we all love our children, genuinely. But, there, but mixed into that love is a lot of how this reflects on you, you know? And so like what my kid ends up doing and who they end up being and like are they gonna be like something I can be proud of? Are they gonna be someone that I'm gonna be ashamed of? And it, it, that's all about you. Am I gonna be proud of them? Am I gonna be ashamed of them? Am I gonna need to help them? Am I gonna, you know what I'm saying? Like, and there's a lot of that that I have to, it, that, that's it's a very difficult thing for me to just, again, that's part of the detachment is, de is detaching my, self-worth with my kids' self-worth or my, or my self-worth with my kids' you know, accomplishments, reputation, whatever, whatever it is, right? And kids can feel that too. I mean, this is a story as old as time that kids feel the expectations of their parents, right? But that's been a helpful thing to just be like, man, okay, what ends up happening with our kids, what they end up, the career they end up choosing, the the person they end up, you know, getting into a relationship with, whether they, or not they get married or not, like all these things, and whether we like it or not, we've got sort of these ingrained scripts in our minds, just given where we're from, and even though we've kinda laid aside a very traditional way of thinking about things, when you look at the lives that we've lived, well, they're still pretty traditional, right? Like we got married, we're still married, 
We, there's, yeah. there's a, there, there, and so there, you, there's sort of these built-in expectations that like that, I want that exact same thing for my kid, whether you say it out loud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if my kid doesn't get that, then something's wrong with them, right? That's the, that's the narrative that can kind of be going in, in, in your head. Yeah, um, I think for me it's an impulse, like to believe the illusion that I can control their happiness, that I do know what's best. I think when you, taking, taking this big decision of like going off to college or any, any, any big decision or just any life decision, it's like there's this illusion that you can make the right choice. You know, a lot of times it's, that, that is just an illusion. It's more of like, or illusion that you can have all the information that like makes it a mathematical, there's a mathematical solution. Like I, I tend to believe that thing, and believe that in the back of my mind about a lot of things and when it comes to parenting, it's like I can control their, I know what's best for their happiness. But then realizing there's so, you know, we're making these decisions based on limited information <laughs> and so just saying, you know what, I'm gonna do the best I can in my role, but it, and it, even if I think something's the best thing to do, but I'm relinquishing that decision to them, even if they do something different, it's it's saying, okay, I'm gonna lovingly detach in in a way that lets them go for it. Yeah. You know? I, obviously within within certain reason. Well, and it's I, like I tell Lincoln, it's like, okay, Lincoln, uh, your mom and I have decided. This is both of us talking to him. That you have to, you got to, you got to get a job. You got to get a job for a number of reasons. But it's, and you got X number of weeks to really start to get some answers on this front, generate some leads. Like you can, you can find, a, you can try to find the best place that you want to work. But the fact that you have to get a job is something that we're saying for you. You need to do. So it's we're like, looking for a pool guy. A pool guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that's steady enough work for him. No, but I mean, but what if it's just like full time? Full time, one just pool. Constantly, he's like the lifeguard and the forty pool hours guy a week. My pool. I mean, he said spick and span. I pay minimum wage. I give him thirty hours a week. That's what, I can't do more than that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. I don't think I want to have this this type of. I don't want to bring nepotism into this. So, I mean, you. What else do you have to say about the subject, or do you want to switch to the San well, Francisco of it all? Because I, I, you also teased that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I want to say I, I do want to get to that. Uh, I had one as you were as you were saying that about Lincoln. Um, uh, I was thinking something. It'll come to me in a second. But then when I was like, he should be my pool boy. I really <laughs> you had to go for that. Just I kind of I kind of lost it all. Well, I was uh, saying, hey, you got to get a oh, job, yeah, yeah, okay, but you it. decide what kind of job you want to get. As long as you get one within certain parameters. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm letting you make that level of the decision. Yeah. Well, and I don't. Th- this is what I want to say. It's I. I don't want to paint the picture that parenting is this like hands off, wish them well type approach. I mean, I think, but when they're 17 and about to turn 18 in a month, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's recognizing what you actually what you actually have the power to do, right? And again, it's 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 that I have the power to create an environment that is catered towards their happiness, success, flourishing, but I don't have the power to guarantee it. 
No. I don't have the power to guarantee anything. Um, and that's a very difficult thing. And you know, one of the things that I found with Locke, being someone who just doesn't wanna be told what to do, is that maintaining the relationship being the goal through the ups and downs and the craziness that was COVID and the restrictions and our kids' lives being turned upside down, making the goal, maintaining the relationship so that we're still communicating, we're still talking about things so that then it might not be, like I have to resist when he brings something up, potential circumstance or something he's going through or something he knows uh, that, that could happen, getting in there and trying to dad the situation to death and like give my perspective and try to control the outcome. Yeah. But if it's, I can just have a conversation about something and not come in real hard with the moral of the story, what I found is that he is actually interested. He's interested in my perspective. Not that my perspective is not gospel is not always going to be right. But you know, Jesse and I are his closest advisors, and we're doing our best. And I think we give some pretty good advice. Some pretty good advice. But yeah, it's just that balance. Um, and then I mean, like you said, once they're once they're gone, it's a it's a you're even less. There's even less of an influence. They'll be back, yeah. And it's, <laughs> it'll, it'll still be more than you think, is what right. I'm telling you from the other side of that. But you have. But I'm saying you have less of an influence. Yeah, but not with every, as, with every year that yeah. passes. But it wasn't nearly as drastic as I thought, at least for 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 us with Lily. Um, so San Francisco, I love San Francisco. I didn't realize how much I did love it. It's been a while since I've been there, and. We realized that we had never been there as a family, and it was you know this was MLK weekend that we that we traveled, um, and it was kind of like like saying hey like there's some schools up there that I'm interested in so let's let's make this happen. So we made the, it was a family trip of course, and I was just reminded with how awesome San Francisco is. What what resonates most with you because I think you might just be city deprived. Well, I I, I love cities, and I'm a big fan of New York City. Uh, now I love LA and no plans to move, right? But the thing about LA is this giant, super spread out city where you just go through yeah. miles and miles and it's just like, I don't even know what this is. This is kind of like urban sprawl from like the 40s. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and there's no discernible like change in landscape in, in many places and it's like, it, it just like, okay, there's a, there's a, a convenience store, there's a place to get my car repaired, and there's a place to get hamburgers. Repeat, 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 repeat. Yeah. For miles, right? Well, you should You should be governor. You get the tourism. <laughs> and so, but if you, once you live in I Los Angeles. You need to be mayor. I also gotta start with mayor. Once you live in Los Angeles, you start figuring out where the, where the, the cool stuff is, and there's, you know, it's a never ending party if you want it to be. <laughs> but there are places like New York where I call them the nooks and crannies where you literally can be on the island of Manhattan and walk in any direction and there's gonna be people eating, chopping, having a good time, talking and it's never gonna stop and you're never gonna go through any like weird urban sprawl where you're just like, I don't even know what's happening here. It's just like, it's just more city and a lot of people turn off by that, but I just like that. So what of that applies to San Francisco? San Francisco. Is that plus hills though. Yeah, exactly. San Francisco is the nooks and crannies of New York City without, with, with the exception of downtown, without all the high rise of, San Francisco, of, of, of 
New York. So it's more like two-story townhomes with restaurants and then like restaurants and cool shopping kind of mixed in. And it's all similar to New York in that it's, iso this is my theory, isolated to a body of land that's surrounded by water. So you know that the, basically yeah. the peninsula comes up in the bay and that's where like downtown San Francisco is. On the, Anytime you start putting water in a situation and surrounding things with water. People it don't creates, like to live in water. It creates this barrier. But then with the undulations in the land that you get in San Francisco, it's like everywhere you turn, you're getting these spectacular views of the whole thing. And you'd be like, we were just right there. Now we're right here. And then because you're in North, California, Northern California, NorCal, you've gotten out of the desert and so the green is everywhere, right? And that's the thing that kids were saying is like, it's so green, there's so many trees. And you'll be like chilling out in a in an area town and then like we were, we went to uh, Haight-Ashbury which is, you know, like, it's basically like the Greenwich Village of San Francisco, so like the history of like music and drug culture and it's yeah. now it's kind of like hippie, movement. hippie hippie place now uh, and a little bit touristy but we kind of were walking next to this little park it was like Buena Vista Park and we're like let's just walk through this park to get to the other side uh, and we start walking in there and then we're like man this is like a big place and it's like a big hill and all and all of a sudden we're at the top of this like in the trees that you could feel like you've completely stepped into nature and you're literally just like Really? 200 feet from more just San Francisco. But you get, you've got the food, you've got the art, you've got the culture that you get in a big city, but you've got this, and then you're really close to incredible nature right outside of the town as well. And then they basically have their own Central Park. Thanks Jennifer for recommending, I don't know how I'd miss this, but like I've only been to San Francisco a couple of times, but in the kind of in and out, but the Golden Gate Park, which really isn't close to the Golden Gate Bridge, you can kind of see it from there. But it's sort of like its own version of Central Park with museums and a Japanese tea garden huh. and a botani botanical garden, which I Botonic. love. I love botanical gardens. I when I die, I want at least a portion of my ashes to be sprinkled in a botanical garden, and I don't mean just like the woods. I mean a place where they're like. Somebody's taking care of the plants. Just a random one? Well, I mean, I have to pick one, okay? I have to pick one. I need to put that in my will. I wanted to ask you, I mean, to kind of end on a on a happy note. Yeah. I wanted to ask about the picture. So you can, I mean, basically, uh, can I describe it? You wanted to describe it. You can describe it. So uh, this was. There's a couple of pictures though. This was, there was two pictures. You and Jesse and Locke standing with the backdrop of the Golden Gate Bridge, and but it, you had split screened it, where you had taken a picture with Locke as like a, a one year old, and now as a less than one, yeah. almost eighteen year old. So eighteen year difference. You you matched the same photo. Well, we tried to match it as well. You as did we a damn good job. That's why my question was like. Did Shepard take this photo? And I, I didn't, you know, I wanted to talk about it because that's an, it was an amazing. I'm, there's so much. I love I'm glad these images. You, I'm glad that you thought. It, so, first of all, I don't want to get into the technicality. But first, first, I just want to say, it that is a super sweet photo that, you know, you got this little baby lock and you're visiting San Francisco and then, you never could have known that like, 
almost 18 years later, you would you'd be visiting colleges and he would be huge. Yeah, <laughs> huge, huge. That's what happens to him. They get you huge. They get huge. Well, and okay, it's beautiful. So we knew beautiful. We did all, you know, we did a bunch of cool st- stuff, but that day, you know, we had like uh, hung out at the Fisherman's Wharf and like gotten something to eat. Did the touristy like, sites and uh, and again, lovely. I love it. It's uh, great. Some people have offices out there on those piers. Maybe we could get one. Um, uh. But the, uh, I was like, let's drive to the Golden Gate Bridge. And I, if, I was like, I seem to remember that you can kind of park and like walk on it, you know? Yeah, you can. And so uh, we get down there and we park and we're like walking like right around, it's almost sunset. That was the kind of the plan to get down there when the sun's going down. And first of all, did you know people surf at the Golden Gate Bridge? Locke had said something about it. Behind like, boats or something? No, there's waves coming in there. Somehow there's waves that work their way around like the point break that's on the that's on, under the bottom of the south side or the west, yeah, the south side of the Golden Gate Bridge. And there's like three or four guys out there surfing in very cold water, I'm sure. Oh yeah. I mean, not only is it just Northern California. Three or four January. guys, okay. So it's not a hot spot of No, but like surfing. they were like getting legit waves. The waves were big. But, uh, we had not planned on doing that photo, okay? We had forgotten that it existed. But we get out and we're walking around and I'm like, hold on. We took pictures here when we were on Summer Project. So the so the, the old pictures would have been from 2004, because Lot was born in 2004. And this was, he was born in February tw- uh, 2004. This was like June uh, or July of mm-hmm. 2004. So he's just a few months old. Yeah, he was in like a Bjorn carrier type thing. And we were on project uh, at, at Santa Cruz, so with Campus Crusade, basically the way Campus Crusade works is if you're a student or staff, every summer you go on these summer projects where you essentially go to a city, like Link went to Santa Cruz as a student, Christy went to Santa Cruz as a student. Yeah. Uh, and then we that's where we went as staff. And you basically just like, you you get jobs at the local community, but you're kind of there as a group of Christian kids who The were, students get jobs and the staff come and put on the, the, the project. So yeah. it's like a, it's kind of summer campish, but, this, but for college students who get jobs. But you're kind of there to get jobs to learn how to evangelize and witness to people. You know, it's like get a, yeah. get a job and tell people about Jesus. And but when we went back as staff, we were helping train them and facilitate the whole program. And yeah, me, Christy, and Lily were there, and then and you, Jesse, and Locke were there. We didn't go to San Francisco with you on that particular day trip, though. I don't think. Yeah, I guess you didn't, because I don't have any pictures with y'all. So you remembered taking a picture. I was like, Golden Gate Bridge. I was like, we were here, and Jesse was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a picture of me and Locke, and Locke was in a Bjorn. And so going into the situation with that level of planning is like, okay, this is, because then I'm like, well, we totally gotta recreate this picture. And then she gets to, she gets to the pictures on her phone, and which I don't even know how she's got pictures from 2004 on her phone, somehow like. I think you moved them over to, uh, 
Yeah, I moved all my stuff to Google Photos. You moved your stuff to like Apple Photos. Yeah, they're and in, now you have it all on your phone, which I do too, which is awesome. Yeah, but hers Every are organized. Hers are she's I don't know. Hers are organized. Mine just have like before a certain date, they're just all in there. But like somehow I dated these right right on her phone. I don't know. So so there we are. And there's a picture of um I mean I'll bring up the picture so you can see them because we'll Okay, so the first picture is the picture of me <laughs> and Jesse and Locke in the Bjorn. And you can see the Golden Gate Bridge behind us. And also like the little, there's like a little parking area. That's where those guys were surfing down there. And so we could be like, okay, I think we know where this is. I actually don't think that we found exactly the same place or else they had built a new thing here that's in the way. I couldn't really tell. But so once we realized that this is what we wanted to do, I was like, okay. Our family is everyone is so opinionated and strong-willed that getting anybody to like participate to in take like, a group photo is is just immediately brings tension into a family. And then you've got like but to the, match up one from like seventeen years well, ago. Then you've got the seventeen-year-old and the thirteen-year-old, and they're like you know they love each other and they get along, but then it'll suddenly turn into seventeen-year-olds and thirteen-year-olds like fighting, and so now. We've got to get Shepard to take this photo. Yes, yeah, so I'm right? like Shepard's got to take it. I was amazed at how much of a match there was because I knew behind the scenes there had to have been anguish. Well, yeah, it was not pleasant. Uh, so, the, so, the, uh, well, so the first thing that happened was is I kind of get up there. And I'm like, okay, this is where we need to be, guys. This is where we need to stand. And I'm like, Shepard, this is how you need to frame it. Then he's got like he's looking at the old picture on Jesse's phone. Then he's got my phone and he's taking the picture. Yeah, and like. He he's not saying the one thing is he wasn't saying when he was taking the picture. And I was oh, like, yeah. Shepard, say when you're taking the picture, I'm squatting. <laughs> and then I looked at the pictures, the first set that he took, and I was like, mm. oh, the angle's not right. Like, well, this isn't actually. You don't need to be there. You need to be here. And I was like, actually, Shepard, let's do this. Lock and mom, you get in this situation. This this you're gonna take the picture, and then Shepard, you get in where I'm gonna be. And then we'll switch places. Uh huh. Do you have that picture? Uh, I don't think I took the picture. Oh, you didn't even take it. I don't think. But I... you, but you were like, I'm gonna stand right here and hold the phone here. So now you walk back over here, stand where I'm standing, hold the phone where I'm holding it, which is what I would have done. Yeah. And but then if you look, the and thing, that makes everybody. The happy. thing that I'm a little bit disappointed in is like if you look at the previous picture. So Locke's in the Bjorn, and like my hand is on his chest, and Link and uh, Link. Jesse's hand is on his crotch, right? Because because he, he's like in a Bjorn and she's kind of holding him, and then he he's got his eyes closed. Like if so we, you get you gonna put your hand on no, eighteen no. year old crotch. If we had done the complete, like I didn't even put my hand on him, and he's not like you know, it's sort of just like the same well, he's three. Kind people. of unwieldy. He's not a baby. Anymore. The same three people, right? So and here's but what you I, were in the same place. That was amazing. Well, here's what I told Jesse and the kids. I was like, guys, this is good enough for family. It's not good enough for the internet. <laughs> That's what I. That's oh, what no. I actually said. Yeah. Of course, now it's good enough for the it's, internet because you're seeing it's it. It's cool. It's cool. Um, but it's then a much better camera. But the second thing, yeah, because the first one was probably just a film camera. The second picture was while we were walking. So you, it's really easy. You can just walk on the Golden Gate Bridge, um, and this one was much easier to sort of get the angle. And it was just two people. It was locked. Dang! In front look of at Jesse, that noggin. And it and me taking the picture. So it's like Doctor Evil. Uh, let's see. So again, this was not easy, and there was some consternation from Locke in this one 
because I was like, dude, no, you gotta look mean, you gotta look madder. And like, this is as mad as he was willing to. That's pretty good. To go, but no. We, he should have shaved his head for it. So Jesse posted this one on uh, her Twitter. It's got like, I don't know, it, it, it's got like 12,000 likes when I'm recording this. I'm sure it's got more than that now, but um, people were really into this and commented on the fact that Jesse has not aged, which she, she really hasn't. <laughs> Locks has, look at him, boy. Yeah, he's changed quite a bit. He's still a little, got a lot of angst. Well, it seems like you made him do that. But you know, we had this a- guy, you know what, it was worth it. We had a really good moment on the Golden Gate Bridge. Like I said, you know, there was a moment when we were getting ready to, when we had just gotten into the car to leave, where Shepard was like, Dad, couldn't you just let Locke drive in his own car and follow us up to San Francisco? <laughs> And I was like, you guys are so spoiled, man. Uh -huh. Like the fact that you would even ask that. You know what my dad would have said if I had asked if one of us could have driven separately? I was like, I'm not even gonna answer that question. <laughs> but they weren't getting along, right? And this is probably typical of a lot of families. When you're getting ready to travel, it's like that just seems, that's when everything goes wrong. That's when everybody starts getting mad. Everybody's fuses get super short. And then you all just get into the car together and go, right? <laughs> And we did, everybody did calm down, but there were some times where there was some, it, Locke and Shepard will kind of fight each other a little bit, like playfully, and sometimes it'll get, it'll get a little bit out of hand, you know, two boys fighting and then all of a sudden somebody's upset and I kind of have to break it up. And of course, everyone has their own stuff that they get upset about. But when we're walking on the Golden Gate Bridge, I don't remember exactly what Locke said, but he essentially says something like, listen, we're all gonna die one day. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, and we were also kind of, honestly, we were thinking about people uh, jumping. jumping off the bridge because it's like, Locke was like 1,700 people a year or something, or 1,700 people total. Oh, I, wow. I can't remember, it's a lot of people. In fact, they're installing a net right now and the, and the supports are out there ready to, to receive the net so people won't jump off the, the bridge. But it, once you get to the middle of the bridge, there's nothing to keep you from jumping off. Like there's no more fence and stuff. They have fence up so that you can't get on the giant circular wire that goes to the top because they mm -hmm. don't want you like daredevils. But yeah. in the middle, they're like, if people are gonna do this, they're gonna do this until now that they're installing the net. So it was on the brain. So it gives you this sense of your own mortality. And he was just like, listen, we're all gonna die one day and I love you guys. Huh. And I'm sorry for when I'm a jerk. And it was like, this is beautiful. And I, we were all like, we're sorry too. Like we're all jerks sometimes. Huh. And just and and I, I think he ended up saying something like, and I like what you know, where I go to school doesn't even really matter. Huh. And I was I was kinda like, well, it kinda does, but <laughs> no, but, but I didn't say anything at the time. We just had a we had like a beautiful group hug. That's great. You know what I would have said at that moment? I would have said, you know what, this is beautiful. Let's get a picture. And then I would have thrown it back into chaos. Yeah, we didn't get you a didn't picture take a of picture, that. You just got a group hug on the Golden Gate Bridge? We did, we got a group hug on the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. We also had a really interesting thing happen where right before, as we were taking our, we were trying to get our first picture with the three of us, some dude came up and he was like, can I, can I help you guys? And I was like, ah, it's cool, we're just trying to, and we were like almost there. I was like, we're just trying to recreate this photo. Mm -hmm. And he was like, cool. It was with a group of like five or six young adults, you know, 20 year olds, whatever they were. And uh, 
And then they kind of like stand off to the side and then when we finish, he's like, hey, can I get you to take a picture of, of us? I was like, sure. And so they gave me their uh, Polaroid camera that they were using. Oh, okay. And they all pose and I'm like, okay. And then the guy's like, okay, on three, good mythical morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of suspected that that was what was happening, but I didn't want to be the guy that's just like. You got pranked. <laughs> No, so shout out to the mythical beast that we actually, you know what? Turns out there's a lot of mythical beasts on the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm, past you can just like, hang out there. Past like five of them. Boost your ego. Um, so I hope the picture turned out good. We took two of them because Jesse took a picture of me taking a picture of them and then I snapped it again and oh, wasted a little bit more what? of their film. All right, well this brings me to my wreck. I'm pulling an audible here. I had another wreck, I'll save it. Because huh. my recommendation is to take some photos that then 18 years later, you can recreate. Or if it's later, recreate them. And if you've, if you've done this, I wanna see, you know, a number of people do this. I saw a few of them like back around the holidays, people doing like recreating family photos. I love seeing these. <laughs> so hashtag Ear Biscuits if you've already done this. My recommendation is the next time you're together with, with your loved ones, see about recreating a photo. If for no other reason, to send it to the Linkster. Hashtag well, Ear Biscuits, let you, us know. We talked about parenting a lot today, you know, making big decisions and not wigging out about it. And, and I think we'll probably wait perspective. until, you know, the thing we talked about is we gotta go back 18 years or 17 years from now, you know, and do and do this all again when, when Locke is what, 35? Is that how old he'll be? No, I can't do math. 18 plus 18. 18 plus 17, yeah, he'll be 35. Yeah. And maybe he'll have a little child and a Bjorn. Ah. Who knows? We'll have to go back and do it. Of course, Shepard won't be in any of the photos because he wasn't in the first one. Nope. nope. <laughs> he wasn't there, so he misses this train. All right. Our train will keep going. We'll be catching next week. On the right. To watch the previous episode of Your Biscuits, click on the playlist to the left. And don't forget to click on the circular icon to subscribe. If you prefer to listen to this podcast, it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Thanks for being your mythical best.